We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. It's so good to be with you on this second Sunday of the new year. And I'm excited to bring you a message in our new message series that we kicked off last week called The Helper based on the Holy Spirit. How many of you could use some help in 2022? I don't know about you, but even for me, I've been fighting the crud all week and, um, you know, I, I need some help. And, uh, but, and I believe in the power of the helper, the one who could help me and some good drugs. And so I'm relying upon the Holy Spirit this morning and some good drugs to help me bring you the word. And uh, I believe that God is going to speak to you this morning. A couple of things before I get into the message. Uh, every year here at Hope Church, and for those of you who have been around Hope Church a while, you know um, and have gotten to experience this, but for those of you who might be newer to Hope Church, every year we kick off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And for some of you, you've fasted before and you know what that is. For some of you, that's brand new. You don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, we want to help you to seek God and take some time to intentionally seek him, pray. And that's what fasting and praying is all about. Um, Jesus himself said there's only some things that come out through prayer and fasting. Speaking to the disciples when they were having trouble getting rid of uh, a demonic um, activity in, in a boy's life. And so I think sometimes there's things, you know, in our life that we struggle with. There's sin, there's habits, there's character issues, things we want to see breakthrough for. And the Bible's really clear that when we take time to pray and fast, that, that we set ourselves up for breakthrough. Amen? And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, this is all new to you. So during these 21 days, I just want to invite you. Today starts our very first day of prayer and fasting, where we're going to seek the Lord together. And we've got a, uh, a guide for you that we've printed. You could grab one of those on your way out. It's going to help explain what fasting is, the different types of fast that you can do. Also, we have a daily devotional to help kind of guide you through these next 21 days. So here's my thing. As your pastor... Whether you do 21 days, 14 days, 7 days, 3 days, do something. Commit during this season because here's the thing. Just like we sang today, that our life is built on the foundation of God and his love. And so oftentimes we start the new year off with resolutions and we want to change things. We want to go to the gym. We want to eat better. We've got this list of things that we want to change in ourselves. And all those things are great. But here's the thing. Real lasting change only comes when you change spiritually. So if you'll just put all those things aside for 21 days and just decide, you know what? My one resolution is, is I'm going to seek God and I'm going to pray and fast for these 21 days with my church. And I'm going to believe God is going to do something in my life greater than what I could see on my own. And then, hey, I want you to mark your calendar because on January 27th, last week, uh, I spoke to you about the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and its purpose. And many of us were confused about the Holy Spirit. We know Father God. We know Jesus. We feel pretty comfortable with them. But just like Francis Chan says, the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten God. And we don't know how to relate to the Holy Spirit. We've he heard some bad teaching um, about the Holy Spirit. We've had some weird things about the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And when you put the Holy Spirit in people, they get even weirder. So turn to your neighbor and tell them you're weird. And so this whole message series, The Helper, not only am, am my job is to help debunk some of the myths, uh, be a myth buster, if you will, about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's a third person of the Trinity who wants to have a real relationship with you. So my prayer during the 21 days of prayer and fasting is that you would learn to have a real relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. But I also know that when we take time to pray and fast, here, I'm going to help you a little bit this morning. Here's inevitably what happens. In the beginning of your time of prayer and fasting, you're excited, you're expectant, you're believing God's going to move, and the first, you know, seven days are, are full of that expectation. Inevitably, somewhere in your fast, you're going to hit a wall. And that's by design. Because what the Lord is trying to do, he's trying to teach you to lean into his power and his presence in your life. But sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? Here's what I mean by that. 
inevitably when we seek God and we take time out to do that, the Holy Spirit is going to start putting his finger on things in your life. And you're going to start to see some ugly things when you decide, I'm going to put my flesh down and I'm going to let my flesh get weakened so the Holy Spirit can become stronger in my life. What happens is your flesh raises its ugly head and you begin to see things that you don't like about yourself um, and we can get discouraged. But I want to tell you and remind you that the Holy Spirit is going to bring those things up so that he can deal with them and you can get breakthrough over them in your life. And on January 27th, we're going to have a night completely dedicated to worship and prayer because as you pray and fast, towards the end of your prayer and fasting is a really critical time. There needs to be a moment, what, what you're praying for, what you want to see breakthrough for, what you're believing for in faith, there is a catalyst, something breaks, something shifts. There's a, usually a moment in that time of prayer and fasting where something gets shifted, something moves. God fills you with his Holy Spirit. You have breakthrough. And so we're going to dedicate a night. We're calling it Empower Night. And I just want to invite all of you. Put it. How many of you are going to come? Raise your hand right now. I'm watching you, by the way. I'm taking mental note. If you have not decided to come, then you need to decide to come because I'm telling you, I've seen God move in some powerful ways. We're going to have amazing worship. We're going to have our prayer ministry team ready to pray for you, to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never experienced that before. Some of you need to have that experience all over again. We need a fresh outpouring. Amen. And some of us, we need healing in our bodies. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray. Um, some of you are stuck. You need to have breakthrough in some areas of your life. Maybe it's over a sin. It's over a bad habit. It's over an addiction. Maybe it's over your marriage. You need to see breakthrough in your finances and your family. Whatever it is, we're going to pray. We're going to believe that God is going to move in power. Amen? Put it on your calendar. Be there. All right. Who's ready for the word this morning? I want to um, just pick off up where we left off last week and our main passage of scripture of this whole message series called the helper is based out of uh, John chapter 14 when Jesus is starting to prepare his disciples for him physically leaving the earth now they've been accustomed to Jesus being there when they get in trouble he helps them out he's there to preach to them teach them be a, a source of strength for him but now he's leaving and he's a little bit concerned about them and he's praying to the father for them on their behalf you have to understand something even now the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and he's interceding for you do you understand that right now in this moment that Jesus himself is interceding and praying for you and I believe that there, there's something that, that needs to happen, that needs to get catalyzed in the word of God and hearing the word of God, that it gets activated in your life and can release power, it can release faith, it can release hope, and don't we need more help? So in John chapter 14, 16 through 17, here it is. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Now some pastors, preachers, theologians would have you believe that this help was only for a period of time. It was for a session of time, and, and that it ended when the last apostle died. Uh, these are typically known as cessationists. Now, I, I vehemently disagree with this line of doctrine um, and teaching because it, it limits, you know, the fact that God is with you, and even what Jesus said, that he may be with you forever. He wasn't with us for a period of time to help the church get birth, but he continues to help birth the life of God inside of you and birth new churches. And I don't even think it makes sense. Why would God give you this gift to start the church? And boy, do we ever need the gift today to continue on in the church? Come on. And I could get into a whole thing in that, and I'm not going to get into That's not my purpose today. But I just want to remind you that Jesus himself said he will be with you forever. Right now, the Holy Spirit, if you are born again, a believer in Jesus, he, you have this gift living inside of you. He's not only in you, he's with you right now. God's presence is here. And if you didn't sense God's presence just when we were in worship just a minute ago, my goodness, somebody check yourself. You better check yourself. Pinch yourself, see if you're alive, because, man, God is, is moving so powerfully, and he's here with us right now. Because I want to say in verse 17, and this is where we're going to hone in this morning, that is the spirit of truth. So now Jesus is making this connection between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth. There's actually three times in three chapters, starting with chapter 14, 
uh, going through chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, where Jesus says three times, he equates the Holy Spirit with the very spirit of truth. He says, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. Now, you have to understand something. This is for born-again believers who have surrendered their life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's become alive in you. It says, you know him because he abides in you and he will be with you. But if you have not made that decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle. You're not going to see what God is doing. The Bible's not going to make sense to you. You're going to struggle. What, what is this all about? I don't get it. I don't get church. I don't get the Bible. It's hard for me to understand or read. And so we need the spirit of truth to help us. And so I, I just want to take a moment before we go any further and just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and help reveal the truth to us this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that is the spirit of truth, that it is alive this morning. It's active in our lives. Father, right now I pray for every single person here, every single person watching online, God, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your truth of your word this morning. And God, as I always pray, let it uh, convict us, let it, let it challenge us, and, but most of all, my prayer is that it would change us, that we would not leave here today the same way that we came in. I pray that you would anoint me. This microphone is yours. I give myself to you. I've studied, but this is your time. This is your pulpit. And I honor you, Holy Spirit. And I pray and trust in faith that you're going to speak to every heart here today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, would you do me a favor? I, I just feel this conviction, like I've told you, that now more than ever, the church needs to rise up and pray for our nation. In fact, I was talking to one of our missionaries who's home from Nepal, and uh, she said, man, I just feel this conviction. Like, yeah, I feel called to the, the nations, but I also feel like we, we need uh, and are called to this nation. This is our home nation, and our home nation is suffering. We're living, I mean, that, that message bumper video that you just watched, when I looked at all those things and I'm reminded of all the things that are happening in our nation, um, this nation has drifted so far from the truth of the foundation of what it was built on, that in God we trust. And so would you just pray with me? This is called corporate prayer. And, and we don't do this enough in the church, but it's when we as the church pray all together. So this isn't just Pastor Lance praying. This is us praying together for our nation. Can we take 30 to 60 seconds to do that? Would you do that with me? Father, we thank you that we get the honor and privilege to live in this great nation. God, thank you that we get to stand on the shoulders of men and women who sacrificed their life for the freedom that we're afforded. Help us to never forget that. And God, we lift up this great nation. We pray, Father God, that you would forgive us for turning our hearts away from you and to following after other gods. We ask that you forgive us and that you would heal our land. Father, we ask and believe that the only hope for this nation is revival. Father, we pray that you would breathe, Holy Spirit, breathe on this nation once again and set revival fire just like you did before, you can do it again. Just like you did in Azusa Street, just like you did in the Jesus People Movement, just like you did um, in Pensacola, just like you did in the Toronto Blessing. God, pour out your spirit once again. We need a fresh outpouring of your spirit. If we have any hope for this nation returning back to you and healing our land, God, we pray for Washington, D.C. We pray for revival in our nation's capital, in Congress. We pray for uh, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, their cabinet, all the House of Representatives and the Senate. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, amen, amen. The title of my message um, to you this morning is called Truth Bombs. Truth Bombs. You ever have one of those um, aha moments, epiphanies, where you're, you, you can't figure something out, you feel stuck, um, you, you need a solution to something, you don't see something, it's not clear, and, and it's maybe it's shaded, it's a little bit dark, and all of a sudden, you have this epiphany, you know, like in cartoons, a light bulb goes off. It's like, oh my gosh, like you have this aha moment of, wow, how did I not see that before? And all of a sudden, the solution to the problem becomes really clear. Um, you could see it plainly. It, it's right in front of you. I believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower us. In fact, 
One of the words for the Holy Spirit, when we read last week in Acts chapter 2, when it said that the Holy Spirit filled the house, it shook. There was this explosion of power that was released into the disciples' life that empowered them. And one of the Greek words for that is dynamo. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Not only does the Holy Spirit come to empower us and give us the grace that we need to live this supernatural life where we follow Jesus and we become the people that he's called us to be, that we live a holy life, that we continually are changed more and more to his likeness. But Jesus makes this important connection that we have to get this morning. And that is this, that the Holy Spirit is ignites the truth. It's what makes the truth of God's word come alive to us. It's what activates it in our life and helps empower us to actually fulfill the very word of God all through a truth bomb. Now, at the same time, there's this other force at work in our life that is trying to pull us away from the truth of God. And even now, we're living in such a a weird, strange age that for me, when I look at what's happening in our world, when I look at what's happening in our country, when I read the news, when I read the newspaper, one of the things that I'm constantly challenged with is what is the truth? It's hard to know what the truth is anymore, right? It's hard to know what's real and what's not. And and yet Jesus was about to leave the earth. He embodied what it meant to, be, to live in truth, to walk in truth, to speak truth, um, and to tell what God was saying to people. And he had been with the disciples, and now he's going to leave them. And he's saying, you're going to need some help because you're going to constantly be challenged with what's true, what's real, and what's a lie. Now, for many of us, we're here on the second Sunday of 2022, and we look back at our lives, and we look at the people that we were and we think about there's something about the new year that just challenges us to kind of look at our life and to think it's become part of our culture that we have these new year's resolutions that we want to change we want to see something different happen in our life that that innately there's something built into us that knows that there's something more like we're not the people that we want to be. We're not the people that God has called us to be. We know that God has called us to be something more, to do something more in our life. And yet when we look at the history of our life, inevitably, if you're like me, I, what I see more than not is the calendar flips over, but I'm the same as I was yesterday. And I'm the same as I was last month. And I'm the same as I was a year ago. And yet there's usually one or two areas, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. There's probably one area in your life that you just can't seem to change. That for whatever reason you've tried, you a year after year, you've tried, this is gonna be the year. It's gonna be the year I change. This is gonna be the year I become a better husband. It's gonna be the year I lead my family spiritually. It's going to be the year that I, I, I'm not always struggling in my finances that, that I get ahead. This is going to be the year that I tithe. It's going to be the year that I read the Bible consistently, that I actually go to church regularly and that I take time to pray and I, I, I pray with my kids. and over. This is the year that I'm going to really step into my full calling and destiny that God has for me, the purpose for which I'm alive. And yet for many of us, year after year goes by, but it's one thing in our life that keeps us stuck. One thing that seems to just have this grasp, this hold on us that we can't seem to shake, that I can't seem to get past, that I can't seem to break through in. I firmly believe that any area of our life that we're stuck in is because we're believing a lie. We have believed a lie about who God is. We've believed a lie about who we are. And, and the power that God has placed in us to become the people that God has called us to be, we believe lies about our spouse, about our kids, about our relationships, about our friends, about our church, about our world. And what happens, the nature of a lie is that it's deceptive. And oftentimes we don't even realize that we have picked up on, believed lies, and have now gotten stuck in a stronghold of a lie that it's now become so embedded in our brains and in our soul that we are trapped and we are stuck and we don't know how 
to shake free. And Jesus, speaking right into the middle of this, as many of his followers believed in him, but they were struggling with some areas of believing. How many of you could identify with that this morning? It's kind of like that man that said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. It's like, I believe, but there's some areas in my life I'm struggling to believing for. Inevitably, you're here this morning and you've seen God move. But there's some areas in your life you're struggling to believe God to move in. This is exactly why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus speaking right into that, picking up in John chapter 8, verse 31 through 37. He said this, listen to the language, to the Jews who believed in him. Now, let me put it in modern day terms, to the Christians in church. He said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my word, if you hold to my truth. Now, that word hold um, in the original language actually means to abide. And so you have to get this. It doesn't mean to just listen to the word, to skim over the word, to get through your devotion in the morning. It means to abide. That word abide means to not only read it, but let it become a part of your life, to live it out, to let it go deep into your soul and let it be alive, let it be active, let it change the way you are. If you hold to my truth in my word, my teaching, you're really my disciples. And look at this, here's the connection to getting unstuck. Then you will know the truth and what the truth will set you free. Now, I like some translations say, and I think this is actually a better translation of this word. Instead of the truth will set you free, it says the truth will make you free. Set free and make free are very different. When we think of set free, and this is how the duality of how God can work, we limit God so much, don't we? We try to put God in a box. This is how God works. This is follow step one, follow step two, follow step three. And this is exactly what will happen. Listen, let me tell you something. God is God. He is not limited to how he moved in the past. He's not limited to what he did yesterday. My God is, he is uh, active and he's alive and he is a now God. He's doing something different now. And if we're so stuck like they were in yesterday, you can miss the fact that the truth is standing right in front of you and you are completely blind to it because they were stuck in the past. They had in their mind how Jesus would show up and what he would be. And because he didn't show up in the way he thought they would, they completely missed the fact that the truth was standing in front of them. And they, listen to me, they knew all scripture. They, could, they memorized the Torah. They could recite it to you. So don't tell me that change is all about the word. It's more than just knowing the word. It's having the word be alive and active in your life and the spirit of truth emanating from the word to open our eyes to see things we don't see. Part of that word truth in the Greek is the word alethes. There's a connotation where it is true. You can count on it. You could bank on it. But the other connotation of that word alethes is that it reveals something that wasn't seen before. It's kind of like revelation that sometimes there is truth right in front of ours. There's a book called All the Light That I Cannot See. I love that title. I believe that so many of us, there are dark areas in our life, in our marriage, in our finances, in our church. We can't see. There's so much truth in front of us and we can completely miss out on it because we have these walls, these barriers of lies that we believed over time that have now become so ingrained in our cerebral cortex and in our soul that the truth could be right in front of us and we can miss it. And that's where these believers were. And so in verse 33, they answered Jesus and said, wait, what do you mean? We're, we're, we're not, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. We don't need to be set free. Now, let me translate that again to you in modern day terms. We're Americans. This is the home of the free land of the brave. We're free people. What are you talking about? They completely missed the fact that, yes, they were free physically, but what Jesus was talking about, you could be free, you could be free physically and be stuck spiritually. You could be bound in your soul and in your mind and not be truly free. And he was trying to get that through to them, and they didn't see it. They were completely blind to it. And so Jesus replied, and when he ever says, very truly, you know, he means business, very truly. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Why did he say that? I believe every sin begins with buying into a lie. Look at the original sin. The, the serpent came and said, did God really say? Every sin begins with you questioning, with, with the enemy of your soul questioning whether God's word is true or not. It's either true or it's not. The Bible is either true or it's not. It's either the uh, inspired word of God and the authoritative word over your life, or it's not. You can't pick and choose what you are. I mean, we're living in a culture where we like fast food. I'll take this part of the Bible because this fits into my lifestyle instead of fitting my lifestyle into the word of truth in the Bible. And we're living in a culture that has gotten really good at that. And let me tell you something, unless we as the church get back to the foundation of the word of God is the word of God, it is the authoritative voice over of truth over my life. And it breaks down strongholds of lies and barriers and things that I don't see and it releases this explosion of not only power but truth into my life that demolishes every lie of the enemy every attack of the enemy everything that he's trying to hold over you and that he's gotten you to believe in I'll tell you I mean I feel the Holy Spirit in this room but I also feel the devil running for the doors because anytime the truth gets spoken lies get demolished and he goes on to say this, Jesus in verse 35, the slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And now he says, look at, I know, I know physically you're Christians. I know you come to church. He said, yet you're looking for a way to kill me. Now that seems bizarre, right? Here is the Messiah that they believed in and they're looking for a way to kill him. Listen, that, that, that we can follow Jesus, but we can kill the spirit of truth because of the lies that we're believing. And he says, listen, this is key. You got to underline this because you have no room for my word. You have no room. Your life is so full. You got Netflix, you got Twitter, you got Instastore, you got all this stuff crowding your life. This is exactly why we take 21 days to put all that aside and say, I am gonna seek God because I need to know the truth because the truth makes me free. And I don't know about you, but I want to go into 2022 as free as I can be, as free as God has called me to be. I want to fully step in. I want to break strongholds over my life of things that I believe that are not true about me, about God, about my family, about you, about my church. Man, we are, the devil is just having a field day, limiting and, and diluting the truth, twisting the truth. You know, we just got done celebrating Christmas, and one of the things that we put on our door is a wreath. Well, that word wreath came from this uh, old Latin word wraith, which is actually like a ghost. And what it would do is you twist dead things around to make this wreath. You twist them. That is exactly what the enemy of your soul wants to do. He wants to take the truth and twist it in your life and get you to believe a lie so that you, he can steal, kill, and destroy the word of God in your life, the word of truth. Do you know that every attack of the enemy is to do one thing? Steal, kill, and destroy. What does he steal? He steals the word of God. Look at the parable of the seed and the sower. God, will, that's why you could come to church, you could hear this message, and you could walk out that door, and he could just say, thank you very much, I'll take that. And you don't see fruit in your life of that word getting planted in your spirit, becoming active, and changing you. Because it didn't go deep enough, or it what? It got choked out, by the cares of this world. And how much is the word of God getting choked out, the life that he has for you, getting choked out because there's no room in your life for his word. There's no room for his truth. Now look at a little bit down further in verse 44, same chapter eight. Jesus now says something that's really important that you gotta get. As the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, you have an adversary, you have an enemy, you have an enemy of the truth of God in your life. And he speaks right into it. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not what? Holding to the truth. Now think about this for a minute. The devil wasn't always the devil. You know how the devil became the devil? He was 
one of the three archangels in heaven. He was the worship leader in heaven. He was Lucifer. He was the angel of light. And he didn't abide in the truth. He believed the lie that I could become like God. And in his heart, he said that, and pride entered, and it says that he was cast out of heaven like that. Jesus is saying he didn't hold to the truth. Hey, if we don't hold to the truth, we are in danger of falling just like him. And it says, for there is no truth in him. Listen to this. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is the father of lies. In other words, he's the originator of all lies and he is constantly trying to pull you away from the truth of God and get you to believe lies. What kind of lies? Lies about who you are? Now, let me share just briefly with you my own experience in this. Now, like a lot of you, I began my salvation experience and immediately there was this explosion of truth in my life. In fact, um, I had this, I tried to read the Bible before I got saved. Like I genuinely, I'm like, you know, I want to try to read the Bible and I want to understand it. And it was like Greek to me. Like it was dry. It wasn't life-giving. I didn't understand it. Didn't make sense. And it was quite frankly, a little boring. I would force myself to try to read it. Nothing happening. Then that day when I surrendered my life to Jesus fully and the Holy Spirit filled my life and there was this explosion of life inside of me, it was almost like this veil was lifted over my eyes. And now I opened the Bible and all of a sudden what was dead to me became alive. Words jumped out of the page. It was like I had truth bombs going off, blowing my mind. Life all of a sudden just made sense where it didn't make sense before. Now all of a sudden I could see things clearly even in my own life. And it was just amazing. But I was so excited and God was moving powerfully. But here's something that I noticed that you're probably noticing in your life where a lot of things changed and I didn't have desires to do some of the things I didn't want to do like I did before. He left one or two areas of my life that were still there. Like I still had sin. I still had tendencies to go back to the way I used to live in that one or two areas. And it kept tripping me up and it kept messing me up. And so what I did, which is probably what you did, is like, I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna overcome this. And inevitably, my own strength, I couldn't overcome it. Why does God do that? Why? I'll tell you why. Just like when he was leading the Israelites into the promised land, he could have wiped out all the, all the giants, all the enemies out of the land, but he didn't. He said, you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to learn how to fight the way I fight. You're going to have to learn how to fight in my strength, not your own. And so what God is wanting to do is he wants you to get breakthrough. He wants you to overcome that one area, that's two areas in your life. But he wants you to know the reason it didn't work before was because you tried to do it in your own strength and your own power. So here's what I got for you. The truth we need the truth in our life because truth demolishes strongholds. Truth demolishes strongholds. And I know she's playing, but I got something more for you, so just bear with me. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says this, the weapons we fight with, they're not weapons of the world. In other words, you're trying to fight this battle the way everybody else does, but you're not like everybody else. I put my spirit in you. I put the helper in you. There's dynamis power living inside of you. And I'm going to plant the truth inside of you that is going to blow up like a bomb and destroy every stronghold in your life. If you will let me, we don't fight with weapons of the world. On the contrary, we, the weapons we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And that's how it begins. Every lie begins with an argument, doesn't it? The devil tried to argue with you just like he tried to do with Eve. Did God really say? She, she did good for a moment. Yes, no, God did really say. But then he came back and said, well, because God knows that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like him. And he doesn't want you to become like him because then you don't need God anymore. You could do it in your own strength. You see that? Starts with an argument. I don't want to look at porn. Oh, but you know, nobody's going to know. It's not going to hurt anything. And he argues with you in your mind. And then once you bite, 
once you believe the lie and you give in and you do the sin, then he comes in and he, not only is he a liar, he's the accuser. So then he comes in and he says, oh, you're, t- how can you even call yourself a Christian? How could you do that? Are you even saved? Does, God can't love you. Look at, look at what you did. Look at how you live your life. And then condemnation comes on you. And then you agree with the condemnation. You're right. God can't love me. I shouldn't even be here at church this morning. You don't know what I did Friday night. And what happens is every lie we believe, the more we believe it, it becomes a part of who we think we are. So now we believe not only did we do that sin, but we are a bad person. We're somebody that God can't trust. We are somebody that God can't love. And over time, as we keep believing that lie over and over again, do you know that most psychologists believe that 98 to 99% of our thoughts are habitual? And what happens is everything you experience, everything that you hear, everything that you read, it becomes like a memory trace. You remember Etch-a-Sketch? It becomes like an Etch-a-Sketch in your brain. And, and those memories, this is why you can, you can hear a song and it can take you back down memory lane because that has been traced in your mind. But the more that we believe a lie, the more that gets ingrained in our memory and it becomes habitual. It just becomes our, our pattern. It becomes our normal way of thinking so that we don't even realize it anymore. We become deceived. We become blind to the fact that we have believed lies about ourselves, about God, and about people. And we need the truth of God to blow up and break down every stronghold. The stronghold was a wall that was built up around a city to protect it. But oftentimes the lies we believe become bricks that build walls up between us and God and us and other people, and we get stuck in them. And we need the truth of God and his word to demolish and to break down every single lie that we've believed because the truth, my second point, is what makes you free. And this is a process. It's a process of over time. And I had to, I remember, because I came from a broken home and my parents, you know, were divorced, I'd visit my dad every other, every other weekend. And, and from a young, young boy, I, I didn't understand. I had this rejection wound. Like if my parents really loved me, why, why wouldn't they stay together? And, and why didn't I live with them and all this? And so in my mind as a young boy, the enemy came with a lie. And often he'll do that to us when we're young because he knows if he could get you when you're young, he could keep you from the destiny that God has over your life. And I thank God that he got a hold of my life when I was 19 and began this process of, of breaking down strongholds in my life. But I had this re- gaping wound of rejection. And what it said, what the, what the lie said to me is, if you were really worth it, they would be right here with you. If you were worthy of love, they would take care of you. And so what happened is that's the way I believed that lie that I wasn't worth it. And so what I believed about that in my relationship with God, after I got saved, there was something in the back of my mind, this stronghold that the enemy used to keep me bound for years was still there. That said, God can't love you for who you are because look at you still have that area in your life. You still sin. You still don't follow him the way that he wants you to. So he's disappointed in you. He's mad at you. He, he doesn't love you. He's not, you're not approved by God. And it messed with me. And I had to go through this process. And I remember going to this amazing woman of God. And I said, I, I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. But I feel like I'm distant from God and he can't love me. And she said, I want you to pray. And she said, I, I want you to go through by the Bible, the truth of God. And I want you to look up every scripture of where God says he talks about his love for you. Listen, I'm telling you, in your life right now, even the way that the enemy messes with you and messes with me is he wants you to doubt God's love for you. He wants you to doubt God's acceptance of you. He even wants to doubt. Some of you are doubting whether you're saved or not. 
And how could God love me? How could he approve of me? Do you know that the Bible says that God adopted you as his son or daughter? We don't even get that. Because in our modern day Americanized uh, thinking of adoption, do you know that in Roman culture, even a son born in the house, blood, blood son, when it got to a certain age, the father had to choose to adopt him into the family or not. And if he didn't approve of him, if he wasn't perfect, if he didn't like something about him, if he was deformed, if he was slow, if he wasn't athletic, the father could say, no, you're not gonna be part of this family and reject him. Do you know that God sees you and he sees me exactly in our current state, exactly in our current condition, with all our weaknesses, with all our failures, with all our flaws, and he says, no, I'm adopting you as my son. I'm adopting you as my daughter. I love you. I'm gonna put my spirit in you. It's gonna help you learn more and more of the truth of how much I love you. The Bible's alive. Listen, man, we take this book for granted so much. We treat it like it is, like we think Listen, the Bible, it says in Hebrews 14, is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is why we need the Holy Spirit's work, even when we're reading the Bible, to make it come alive to us. Do you realize the Holy Spirit has got a scalpel in his hand? He's like, we need to do some brain surgery. I need to go in and I need to take out the lies that you believe so that you can be free to be healed and to know my love for you and, and my calling on your life. But we treat it like it's a dead book from dead trees written by dead authors. But my Bible says that all scripture is God breathed. The same inspiration that breathed the Holy Spirit into the original writers of it is the same when you read it, you get to, when the Holy Spirit exhaled into them, you get to inhale the very spirit and the breath of God. Explosion. Do you know it's interesting? To have a bomb, you need two things. I looked this up. Thank God for the internet. I'm actually worried that the feds are going to come knock on my door because I Googled, how do you make a bomb? Probably not the smartest thing. But I got this message to back it up. So that was my go-to. But you need two things. You need fuel and you need an oxidizer. You need oxygen to ignite it. You need both. Can I tell you something? This is how the word of God works with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. We read the Bible, that's the fuel. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he breathes on it and it comes alive. It ignites this passion in you, this hunger in you, this desire, this taste inside of you. Do you know that in Jewish culture, when, it, when a, a Jewish boy was six years old, he would go to the Ben Sefer, which is, means the house of the book. And for four years, he would get taught by a rabbi to memorize the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. And on the very first day of class, you know what he would do? He would take honey and smear it on the tablet and he would make every student come up and lick the honey off the tablet and recite uh, Psalm 119, 25, which is your words are sweeter than honey. They're sweet to the taste of my mouth because he wanted them to taste and see that not only is the Lord good, but the word is good. And he wanted to whet their appetite for the sweetness of the word of God in their life. How, Man, so many of us, we need to get an appetite back for the word of God, for the truth of God. And we need the Holy Spirit's presence to not only just read the Bible, but let the Bible read us. I, mean, I don't know how many Road Trip Nation fans we have out there, but there's a show on PBS called Road Trip Nation. It's actually started in 2001 by four college friends who graduated college, didn't know what they were gonna do with their lives, so what did they do? They bought a van, painted it green, and decided we're just gonna travel the US and we're gonna interview people. So they interviewed people in California, winemakers in California, and they, they um, interviewed fishermen in Alaska and congressmen in Washington, DC. And one time they were going through Montana. They're in Western Montana in their van, and they pulled off I-90 uh, somewhere around the Bozeman area, and, um, and there's a river there's a, I don't know if it's Clark Fork, but one of the big rivers. And they noticed that 
an odd sight. They saw an 18-wheeler parked by the river. And I thought that's odd because truckers are notorious for only stopping at truck stops. So when they see the truck driver and he's down by the river and he's just kind of skipping stones. So they went up to him and they said, uh, hey, how's it going? You know, we're from Roche Nation. We're just curious, what, what are you doing here? He said, I've, I've been driving trucks past this exit for 25 years. Yesterday, my wife passed away. Today is the first time I exited the freeway and just stopped and took in the beauty and reflected on my life. That phrase, exit the freeway, became the motto for that road trip nation. I wonder how many of us in our fast-paced social media, Netflix, Twitter, Insta-storied, Facebook, email-saturated, text-saturated life need to take 21 days to exit the freeway and stop and give the Word of God some space in our life. Do you know the Bible? I know I'm personally not a fan of reading through the Bible in, in a year. I know some of you are like, oh, you're a pastor. You're supposed to be. But here's why. is because sometimes I think we could read through the Bible to read through it. The purpose of reading the Bible isn't to read through the Bible. It's to let the Bible read through you. But some of us never take time. Jesus said, you have no room for my word. How many of us need to commit taking time to not just read the Bible, but meditate on it, marinate on it, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What are you trying to say through me? Because I'm, let me tell you, some of my greatest truth bomb moments as I've been sitting, meditating, reading scripture, all of a sudden there's a scripture that will jump out the page and it'll be like an explosion comes out of my spirit and the truth of God will be ignited and it will birth something. Something gets conceived in my spirit that wasn't there before. David said it like this and I'm done. He said, my soul cleaveth to the dust. In other words, there's a part of me that is hanging on to my old life, my natural life. And then he prays this beautiful prayer. Let it be our prayer this morning. Quicken thou me according to thy word. That word quicken means to restore life, to give new life. In fact, that word quicken, when you break it down, it means to catalyze, think chemistry cause to cause or accelerate by a reaction, by acting as a catalyst. So when you read the word of God, that's the fuel. But now the Holy Spirit comes and ignites. He catalyzes. He, he accelerates uh, by acting as a catalyst in your life to put it into action in your life. The word becomes alive. It's God-breathed. Truth gets eliminated through your soul and it changes the way you think. It breaks down those memory traces, breaks down those old patterns of thinking. You know that out of the 98, 99% of thoughts that we have that are habitual, 80% of them are negative. Man, Paul said, that's why Paul said, think on these things, dwell on these things, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are good. Man, there's so much truth in God's word that you and I need to break down the lies that we've been believing. We need a catalyst. We need the Holy Spirit. It also means that word quicken means to transfer possession. God is taking his word from heaven and he's transferring it to your possession. Now it's yours. I'm giving you my word. I'm putting it inside of you. It's going to change you. Very word from heaven. That's the rhema word of God that we need for today, right now. That's the word that God has now. It's the rhema word, quicken word, alive word. It also means to sustain life, to bring back to life. And here's one of my favorites, to conceive. God wants to birth something new in you, but it isn't going to become because of the new thing you're going to do. It's because the new thing that he's going to do, he's going to conceive. He's going to birth it in you. Y'all with me? Getting this? You checked out? Time's up, Lance? It's time to go? Is that what we're here for? Punch a clock? Are we here to connect the living God? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, right now, come, we give you permission.
I think God started something in worship that he wants to pick up on. I really sense that some of you are struggling with shame, condemnation. Do you know one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is he brings conviction. Conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation is of the devil. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on that one area or two areas in your life and he says, now I wanna do something. Conviction is good. Conviction means that you're still sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that when you rebuff conviction, when you, when you dismiss it over and over and over again, our hearts become hardened to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And man, I sense his presence so strong here right now. I just, I'm gonna, I know it's late, but I'm just gonna open up this altar. Today, we're starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. What if right now the Holy Spirit wants to drop some truth bombs in your life that blows up the lies that you've been leaving about yourself and the limitations that the enemy has put over you? He's put a glass ceiling over you that needs to be shattered by the truth of God's word. Who God says you are. What he wants to do in your life. Stop believing the lies. Man, I'm looking out here and I'm, I'm just sensing that some of you believed lies so long. You can't see the truth. You can't believe you've given up on the person God has called you to be. So I don't know. I don't know if I could be it. I could see it, but I don't know if I can become it. God says, just let go. Just let go right now. Come on, God is moving. When God moves, we move with him. What is God doing right now in you? Come on, I'm gonna turn it over to the worship team, but I don't believe we're done. I believe some of us, God wants to do business. He wants to do heart surgery. He wants to do mind surgery. Right here, right now. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.